Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Welcome to it. It is the world famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Broadcast. Thanks for joining us today here on our big program. We are going to go to John O'Connor, who is going to join us live here on our broadcast. There is a lot going on with all the shenanigans that is taking place. And John O'Connor is going to join us today to talk about all that fun stuff. Maybe. Maybe. He might not be joining us. Okay. Well, let's do this. Let's go to Larry Trace. Let's call Larry early. We're supposed to always... Supposed to call Larry at 15 after, but screw it, I'll call him early. See what happens here. Hello, James. There's Larry Tracy. How are you, my friend? Okay, I just got <laughs> back. I was. I figured you'd be calling, so I wanted well, to see uh, time. Well, Larry, uh, there is a lot going on uh, in the world. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about this uh, this thing with Joe Biden and this Afghanistan thing. Uh, he is trying to distance himself from this. What, 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 what do you make of all this, my friend? Well, he's not only trying to distance himself, it looks like he's getting support from the media. Uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times that I read every day, I, I had to really look hard to find anything about Afghanistan. They've shifted everything into COVID and are keeping quiet about the Americans that are there. Uh, some Americans were let out. But what really, really bothers me, James, is that we're doing it, that the Taliban is letting us take people out. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is the most powerful country in the world. And we are working at the difference of a uh, the difference of a group of people that are, as some describe them, a seventh century dictatorship. Uh, this this is just terrible. And the and the fact is that they're claiming uh, this was a great success because the number of people got out. Yeah, thanks to the military at the base doing it. But one of the things I wanted to bring up to you, James, is on the third of September. I wrote a letter to the editor of the Wall Street Journal. The title was, Why Badrum Air Force Base Air Base Must Be Destroyed. And the theme of it was, if we don't destroy it, the Chinese, the new benefactors of the Taliban, are going to come in, have a state-of-the-art air base that they can use to project their power throughout the Middle East, provide close air support to the Taliban against any resistance forces, 
and it would be a tremendous symbol to the rest of the world that China has replaced the United States as the premier power in the Middle East. Now, I have received no word whatsoever from the journal whether they're going to uh, publish it or not. And on their webpage, the journal says, if you haven't received a response from us within 10 days, that means the letter has been rejected. <laughs> uh, nothing has been said about this at all. I mean, I've looked for at everything. No one has come out and said uh, the, uh, the air base must be destroyed. Uh, but this is somewhat similar to Vietnam when we built the best deep water port in Asia at Kamran Bay and it was taken over by North Vietnam and their allies. I don't think we should have destroyed that because that was that was commercial. It was uh, something that could, could help the people of Vietnam. But this is an air base that probably has a lot of uh, warehouses of things that have not yet been looted with military equipment, so we don't know what is in there. But I think it should be a pile of rubble when the Chinese come in. And we've got the, uh, the weapons, the bombs that are sometimes referred to as the mother of all bombs. Two or three of those would leave a big pile of rubble at Badrum, and they wouldn't have any base to take over. I think this is imperative, and I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that no one else has come up with it. I mean, I'm, I'm not a genius. This just strikes me as common sense. Do not let them have that base. So anyway, if, uh, if I haven't heard from the journal by the 13th, which would be, I guess that's Tuesday, Believe um, so. I will send you a copy of it so that you oh, can yeah, I would it love, I'd love to post it. I'd, I'd love to post it, and I'd love to get it out there, my friend. I, uh, yeah, but, I, but the journal has a rule. If you publish it anywhere else, uh, you can't publish it uh, with them. That would automatically give them the excuse not to publish it. So... Uh, I, I, I certainly think I will, because the, the journal is sympathetic to, to what has happened, I mean, our position in there. So I, I wouldn't think that they would not put it. And I put at the bottom of the letter, Colonel, United States Army, so that can give some credibility, perhaps, to it. So I'm, I'm hoping in the next couple of days I will do it. Uh, I will have that published in there. But if it isn't by Tuesday morning's edition, I'm sending it to you directly. So you can hey, do whatever fine. you want with it. That's fine. It is Larry Tracy. He joins us today here in a broadcast. So this this thing with this Afghanistan situation, I, I'm just amazed that there wasn't proper planning for this. Oh, oh, oh say that many times. <laughs> I'll tell you. James, one of the things that we do in the military is very good is contingency planning. And it's always done on the basis of what's the worst-case scenario. And then when you've found what the worst-case scenario is, you take steps to eliminate those problems. Here it looks like they came up with what's the worst-case scenario. Oh, let's do that one, <laughs> because they, they couldn't have done it, with the exception of the fact of what our military people uh, got out of uh, got all those people out of Kabul, but let me give you an example here. Dave. The difference between Kabul Airport and uh, Badrum, it's almost like the city of Chicago. If you wanted to evacuate the city of Chicago, you wouldn't do it out of Midway Airport, which is in the city. You'd go out to O'Hare. Well, O'Hare is the equivalent of Badrum and Kabul Airport, which is right in the city. Uh, but my rec in the letter that I put in, what I said was we could have put in thousands of more troops, 
developed a safe passageway for all the Americans and the holders of those special visas to go out to their sort of accord with a soldier every 10 feet. And the Taliban would have been told, don't mess with us or we're going to kill you. And they would have been able to get all the Americans out, all the people with the SIVs. And if it wasn't for Biden's obsession with the date of August the 31st, that we could have said, hey, we don't know when we'll do it. We'll probably have it done by the end of September or maybe sometime into October. Now, when you get into October, you're ending the fighting season. Traditionally, the the Taliban then goes back to uh, Pakistan because of the cold weather and the snows that are coming on. But we should have done it on our time, as it was Biden set up this August 31st. And then, very smartly, the Taliban said, yes, 31st, and if you don't do it by then, you'll face consequences. They, are, they were giving terms to the most powerful nation in the world. This, this, <laughs> I mean, when historians look at this, honest historians, uh, they will say, how, how did this happen? And nobody knows. And uh, the, the question is, is constantly brought up now, was this the military's idea? I cannot imagine that Austin, the Secretary of Defense, who's a retired four-star, and Milley, the Secretary of Defense, when they were lieutenants at Fort Benning, second lieutenants, and they went through the infantry school, one of the things that would have been pounded into their head was, you maintain the key terrain. That could be the high ground, but the key terrain is so absolutely necessary in a battle. Well, the key terrain here was Badrum Air Base. That was the key area. Everything could have gone so much more smoothly. And, and the other thing is we wouldn't have lost those 13 military people because we wouldn't have given security to the Taliban. We would have had the security around the base. So the civilians, uh, the American citizens, the holders of the SIV passed by visas would have been able to go out through a cordon, which would have been set up right from the city on out to the base, and the base would have been secured by, by us. But not only did we desert it in the middle of night, we also apparently, and I say we, the United States, uh, it had to be somebody in the military to do it, turned off the electricity so that the gates would not close. And that left all these looters to come in and grab everything they could. Now, I doubt that they took out armored personnel carriers. They wouldn't know how to take them out. A lot of other things. And one other thing as I go on with this rant, one of the great advantages we had and the the, uh, Afghan military had was we owned the night because we had night night vision uh, goggles. Now the Taliban has night vision goggles. And if we ever have any situation where U.S. soldiers are going in there again, that big advantage is going to be neutralized. So uh, there are just so many things that bring this in a disaster, and you, I, I just cannot imagine that professional military would have agreed to, to any of this. Uh, they probably, Biden told them, this is what I want done. They gave him the advice, he rejected it, and they saluted. They should have resigned. That, that is the bottom line. Uh, they should have done it just like the Joint Chiefs of Staff back in Vietnam when LBJ overruled them. They should have resigned en masse, and that was what H.R. McMaster wrote his doctoral dissertation and then a book on called Dereliction of Duty. It was dereliction of duty on the part of the chiefs back at that time, and it's certainly dereliction of duty on the chiefs at this time. That's one of the reasons why almost 90 retired generals and admirals have come out and demanded the retirement or resignation of both Austin and Milley 
that, that's unprecedented where we would have had that. Uh, well, one other thing. <laughs> Go ahead, my friend. I'm just sitting here listening. Go thing. ahead. Uh, on my military network and emails that I'm getting, I'm getting responses from people, retired people who have friends on the active force that are sending them emails and on social media, who are the people who had been in Cabal at, at the airport, uh, just saying how disgusted they were at what they were ordered to do. And, and to leave there. And the same thing in the, in the Pentagon. The, about a week ago, I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal from the woman who was the uh, New York Times reporter, and she said she had never seen such a state of depression and anger within the Pentagon as she's seeing now as this was taking place. Well, I had a case of deja vu when I heard her say, read her words on that, because I was in the Pentagon when Saigon fell in 1975, I was in the operations center. I had privy to that because I, I was a senior intelligence briefer to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, so I could go anywhere in there. And I was watching the uh, the interactive map showing the divisions coming down from North Vietnam into Saigon. And I was in there one time with a friend of mine who was uh, an Air Force pilot, flown F-105s in North Vietnam. And he's up there, and he's just screaming, where are the buffs? Uh, the buffers are a somewhat obscene term the Air Force uses for the B-52. It's called a big, ugly fellow, and you put another word in there, you can imagine what that is. And the B-52s could have just, just absolutely decimated those divisions, and we would have never had the fall of Saigon, and we could have negotiated a much more honorable departure, and we would have saved all those Vietnamese from all that they suffered in the South after the North came in. This is very, very similar to that. Our reputation worldwide now is going to be is very low. We've never had a president of the United States as criticized by the British Parliament as Biden has been. The French have been very critical. The Germans, uh, one German uh, political leader said, this has been the greatest setback in the history of NATO, uh, what has happened. And Biden was supposed to go and restore all the good relations with that. Uh, this is... This is just in, incredible, and it is so sad for what's going to happen to those those people that are left in uh, the Afghanis who are left in, in the, the country. And whether we're going to have a hostage situation with Americans, uh, that that's going to be the, the question. So I think the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff should all turn in their papers right now because they have failed, even if they were ordered to do it. They can always say, in conscience, I cannot do it, and I resign, and they haven't done it. So that's my basic feeling on the whole thing, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Larry Tracy. He's with us today here on the broadcast. So, Larry, how is the book doing? Oh, good. It's, it's, it's out. I'm uh, still working on doing a, a podcast uh, on the book with a, with a guy who uh, has a, a podcast, and he's called The Bacon Man, and everything is about selling the bacon. Well, my book is a, is a good title for that. So I hope within a, a couple of weeks we'll have something firmed up that I can be doing an interview in his program, and I'll let you know about that. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Larry, I appreciate you uh, making time for us today. We'll talk to you next week, sir. Okay, and I'll, uh, I'll let you know where this uh, letter to the journal goes, and if they don't print it, I'll send it to you, and you can scoop them all. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, Larry. Have yourself a wonderful okay, day, thank sir. thank you, James. Appreciate it, my friend. There he goes. That is Larry Tracy.
Bring home the bacon. Who is the bacon man? I want to find out who the bacon man is. Is that Kevin Bacon? Is that the guy used to went used to go to high school with Mark Bacon? Who was that? Who is the bacon man? I gotta know. Why, hello there. Hold on here. For whatever reason, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now at all? No, we can hear you now. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, it always helps if you if I turn my microphone on. Um, we've got, <laughs> got Pam Oaks <laughs> with us today. And uh, she joins us live here in her broadcast. And, of course, Pam Oaks, the automotive expert not pam oaks the unelected mayor of some town somewhere <laughs> yes. uh, thank you yes because i believe she's a naturalist as well which you don't want to see this without any clothes on <laughs> i don't know there you know i i'm doing that there 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 might be a market somewhere for it who knows <laughs> you know nowadays who knows you're right <laughs> Boy, this conversation went instantly sideways. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so Pam, what what do you have for us this week? You always well, have other, some interesting things for us. Other than being a drowned rat right now, and I look like it because we are getting trained from Mindy, Tropical Storm Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with Mork and Mindy. Yes, um, we, we are getting trained right now here in the Tampa Bay area, the tale of Mindy going through. And uh, yeah, I see a lot of people going through the water. We won't uh, beat that dead fish to death again. But I do have an interesting one that came across our website, findmeoutofhope.com. We had a consumer up in Michigan and they had an all-wheel drive uh, crossover SUV, a uh, General Motors 
It's only about six years old, and they had it over at the dealership getting their regular service, and the dealership told them that they needed uh, to have the transfer case resealed. And they gave them a bill of about $2,500 to reseal the transfer case in it. And so we went through and we looked everything up. If they put a new one in, the new part was about $1,200. And the labor, if it's what it is, the higher labor, we'd be looking uh, approximately $500. So for a brand new one, it was almost $1,000 less. Therefore, the moral of the story, always get a second opinion, guys. Gals listening out there, please always get a second opinion. This person's been going to this dealership for years, really has a lot of trust in them. But there was just something upon the delivery, and that's why they came and they asked our advice, what they should do about having this part resealed. Uh, First of all, you know, there's a process when you ever have a fluid leak, uh, doesn't matter if it's a hydraulic fluid, antifreeze, whatever, uh, you always check it with dye to see where it's exactly coming out of. Because um, maybe it wasn't the case itself, the seal around the case. It could have been, you know, another seal there. Or it could have been from somewhere else. We didn't know. So Wow. Yeah. And then part two is that you could see where they hit them with all the extras, the cabin air filter, and the cabin air filter had been treated with some kind of fresh scent, don't go for those guys. Um, the best thing is uh, you can replace the cabin air filter or have the cabin air filter replaced by a professional. Have them show you how. This, it's so simple. It is very simple. And then what I always recommend, uh, keep the mold and mildew spores out, especially if you're in a southern climate where there's a lot of humidity or northern climate where there's a lot of humidity and you get those mold and mildew spores. Pick out your favorite scent of Lysol. And spray it in the vents. We have that process on our website, how to do this. That's oh, maybe five minutes. We have a short little video how to do this. And not only does it keep the mold and mildew out of the smell out of the car and off the cabin air filter, which keeps the air clean, what we're breathing inside the vehicle, but it also prevents COVID. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So dual purpose we were reading the a dual hey, purpose look at that does <laughs> it prevents covid hey wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay we've been spraying it to keep the mold and mildews you know spores off of it but uh yeah it's um you know don't spend the extra money those cabin air filters they run between eight and fourteen dollars approximately of course depending upon year make and model but um you know pick out the scent that you want and uh, you have the rest of that can of Lysol of course because you're only going to spray for maybe 15-20 seconds and you have all that residual product for the house so there has been uh, a a law passed I I, I was trying to remember where this was but they they have passed a law that they are going to start fining people for driving through high water. <laughs> really? And I was like, I just seen it on the Drudge Report probably about, I don't know, a week or two ago. And I'm like, oh my God, this is actually happening. 
that's wonderful. I mean, so, the shops are going to be crying because they're not going to be doing all those repairs in the aftermath of driving through high water. But, <laughs> but still, you know, it's going to leave our first responders open for more important things than having to deal with the stupidity of driving through water that you shouldn't have been going through to begin with. <laughs> you didn't want to wait or you didn't want to travel a half a mile further. Yes. You it know? just, it's, it's so strange. Yes. <laughs> just yeah, so well, strange. It, it really truly is. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, people, they don't realize that they're driving this vehicle. This is, this is an investment. This is, this is your trade-in later on down the road. So you want to keep it up. And by doing that, of course, you know, like our, uh, our Michigan consumer, they're going to the dealership. They thought they were doing all the right things and all that. But ask, even though you have this trusted shop you've been going for years, just ask an opinion or two. Do you think, you know, maybe I'm being taken advantage by having a cabin air filter installed in my vehicle with the special fresh scent in it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yes. You know, just check it out first. If you get that feeling, that gut feeling, what do they say? Within five seconds, you know unconsciously whether they move forward or not. And that's when you get that gut feeling like, I don't know about this. You get that, I don't know about this, just stop. And by please, all means, do not tell them what your automotive budget is. Because they'll Don't go all the way up to that line, won't they? Oh, yes. I've heard it time and time again through the decades. The horror stories of people saying, well, I had a $200 budget and the bill came up to $199.95 out there. <laughs> Carson did. Seriously. And it's, you know, don't tell them that is your personal finance. But um, if you don't have an automotive budget, you definitely need one, especially with today's cars and trucks. You need to be doing that um, for that just-in-case moment. Something, you know, uh, doesn't quite go right. You have that little cushion there, and you're not scrambling and filling out those uh, credit things that they have now. I've seen at the dealerships and at the shops where you can... Uh, try to get financing to have the repair done so that's not a good idea be prepared you know have a have a plan have a plan yes yes indeed well uh well pam before we let you go how do people get in touch with you on the web and and everything else thank you for asking uh you can find me at findmeoutofhope.com uh throw over a question just like i said i picked one out today from that uh, Michigan consumer and uh, we're here to help you help your vehicle and help you keep money in your wallet because that's what it's all about and let me tell you I've been in this industry for decades and I've seen a lot and I know I have a, more I'm going to be seeing and uh, we don't want this stuff to happen to you we want you protected and that's why that's what it's all about protecting your wallet Fantastic. Well, uh, I appreciate it. I will talk to you next week, Pam. Take care. Thank you, my friend. Thank there you. she goes. That is Pam Oaks. Findmeautohelp.com.
We are back live here on our big broadcast here on iHeartRadio, AMFM247.com, and of course, tune in, iTunes. We have got a great guest joining us today here on the telephone. He is fantastic, and uh, I am very much looking forward to chatting with our guest today, Dr. Mitch Glazier. He is a president of uh, Chosen People Ministries. He's also the author of many books on Christianity, Judaism, and the Middle East. And he's with us today here in a broadcast talking about the Chosen People Ministries in partnership with the Alliance for Peace of Jerusalem. will host a 9-11 and the New Middle East, a two-day gathering on September 10th and 11th to honor the fallen and the survivors of the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and help the participants both locally and around the globe view current events taking place in Israel and the Middle East through a scriptural lens. And we go to the telephones and we have the good doctor with us. Doctor, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful, James. How are you doing? Pretty good, actually. Pretty good, actually. So tell us a little bit about this, uh, this conference. Yeah, I would love to. We have great speakers, Ann Graham Lotz, Joel Rosenberg, Michael Rodelnik from Moody Bible Institute, Daryl Bach from Dallas Seminary. We've got great music. We have uh, Marty Getz and his daughter Misha. We have uh, some wonderful uh, reports of what God did uh, during 9-11. It's kind of the backstory uh, of, of what happened. And uh, we, we'll talk to some of the first responders, we'll talk to some FBI agents and soldiers who are, serve, who are serving in Afghanistan. We'll be talking to a lot of people that have a lot to say about, uh, about where we are uh, in our fight against terrorism, in, in our uh, relationship to the Middle East. And then we're going to be looking at the whole thing, thing through a lens of the Bible. And the, the Bible makes a great lens to it through which to see things uh, in, in a very different way. And, and uh, so we're looking at the present, and then we'll look at the future, and uh, we'll talk about the Abraham Accords and what that means. And, of course, we will try and respond to what's going on in Afghanistan. That's not easy because, you know, that wasn't in the conference planning uh, mm. five months ago. Yes. So, but we'll do our best. Well, this this is uh, – wh- why did you guys decide to uh – to put this together. By the way, you can get more information 911theconference.com. That's the number 91 number 1 basically it's it's 911theconference.com September 10th through 11th 911 the new Middle East. So uh, why did you guys decide to put this together? Tell us a little about this. Yeah, there're a couple of reasons. Uh, number 1, I'm a born and bred New Yorker. I've lived here most of my life. And uh, a lot of the people who work with Chosen People Ministries are, are New Yorkers. And some months ago, I asked around, I said, is anybody doing anything for the 20th anniversary? And at that time, almost no one was planning anything. And I said, well, surely someone's going to do something. And I waited another month, and then finally, you know, God kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, you're planning it. And uh, <laughs> so we decided to plan it. And we do it from a slightly different perspective. I'm Jewish. I believe in Jesus. Of course, I'm an American. And Chosen People Ministries has a big stake in what happens in Israel, both personally and because we have a lot of our staff in Israel, and I'm back and forth there all the time. And so one of the obvious things 
besides being a New Yorker and just caring about making sure that this is remembered and that a new generation that knew nothing about it gets to hear some things uh, about 9-11. But also, uh, I believe that 9-11 changed the dynamic between the United States and Israel, and we're vitally concerned about Israel. And when uh, Israel was experiencing some of the worst of the Second Intifada, with restaurants and discotheques being blown up on a, almost on a weekly basis, that was the exact same time when 9-11 happened and when the planes came into the world, trade, trade towers. And for the first time ever, America experienced this kind of terrorism on our own shores. And it, and it, was, it, it, it took everybody by surprise. It was actually the second time, because two years earlier, there was an attack on the World Trade Center, but it was small and it didn't, didn't go anywhere. Maybe because they got away with it, they decided to try something bigger. But we came face to face, which what was then a Middle East that uh, was uh, not very happy with the United States or, or Israel in, in our way of life. And so the dynamic changed. Americans and uh, Christian America began caring more and more personally about what happened in Israel. And so we want to explore that topic and see maybe if there's anything in the Bible that will give us wisdom on how to approach uh, these new events. And of course, now we have a, we have a new, new Middle East change, you know, uh, with what's recently happened in Afghanistan. So we're going, to ex- we're going to explore that as well and help people understand maybe some of the nuances and dynamics of the Middle East, because not everybody in the Middle East, even those who are actually attacking the United States and Israel, not everybody is coming from the same exact place, and we want to better understand what's going on. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live. Check out the number nine, the number one, the number one, theconference.com, and uh, it's September 10th and 11th. So how did you go about organizing this? Because this is, this, I have planned a lot of events in the past, and uh, it's always a daunting task, my friend. Right, especially in the middle of COVID and not knowing what's happening next. So the smartest thing we did is we actually planned a hybrid conference. So some people will be in person, some people will be online, some of the speakers will come in by video or Zoom inter- interviews, and others will be in person. Um, James, we have almost 6,000 people registered, and I hope that wow. people will go to 911theconference.com and join us. We have a couple of hundred people probably coming in person, which right now uh, in New York City, that's probably a lot of people for an event. And so... We have a great staff. Chosen People is 127 years old as an organization, and we have staff in 20 countries and 25 cities across North America. And so we have some of the ability uh, to be able to do something like this. And I hope at the end of it all, people will have a better understanding of what's happening in the Middle East, be able to pray more effectively for the Middle East, and uh, better understand uh, Israel and what they're, what they're going through and what they've gone through. Uh, I hope that we'll be able to give more honor uh, to those who were first responders and to the 
families that uh, a lot of these kids grew up without a mom or dad, and so we want to make sure that they feel that uh, they're special on this 20th anniversary. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. And uh, what, what's been some feedback you've gotten some uh, from folks uh, about this conference and uh, just, just some ad- advance, uh, you know, feedback, anything at all? Sure. There's a lot of enthusiasm, actually. And... Uh, just, there's a lot of enthusiasm. I've seen um, lots of emails of people who wish they could be here, but of course when, when I make it clear that uh, we have an online uh, opportunity for them, then they're really, really pleased about it. And it's Friday night at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and then begins at 8.30 on, on Saturday morning, and it will end about 4 o'clock, and, and um, it's it's, it's something that I think a lot of people un, under, almost intuitively understand the importance of it, and they're, and they're just sort of glad somebody stepped up to the plate and did something. And so I feel pretty encouraged by that, James, and I, I feel like we, we've done the right thing, you know, and I believe that it's going to be uh, informative, uplifting, hopeful, and a blessing to many. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, before we let you go, my friend, uh, are, now that you've got this put together, you're doing this event, uh, what is next for you? Well, I'll continue to uh, lead Chosen People Ministries and uh, keep it going for maybe a little while longer. It's, it's been 127 years, and, and uh, I'm hoping that... Um, uh, we will uh, do a lot more of what we've been doing. One thing that's kind of special for me is that uh, Marty Getz is, a, is one of the most well-known Messianic Jewish uh, recording artists in the world, and I had the joy of writing a song with him that's actually a hymn, uh, a modern-day beautiful hymn, in honor of those who uh, perished and those who uh, helped during 9-11. You know, James, there are are thousands of first responders who are ill right now, who, um, because of the exposure to what was what was down at what we call the pit in 9-11, where the buildings crumbled, uh, there's a lot of chemicals and gases were released, and yep. and so there's a it's been a lot of a lot of incredible people who passed away in the last 20 years as a result of this sacrificial service. And so, you know, we we want to pay a little bit of attention to them also, so that so that they're honored. And uh, so, I think we'll I think we'll all feel pretty good if if a lot of the survivors and their families uh, feel pretty good about what we've done. That's awesome. That's awesome. It is a tremendous guest to this today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border on iHeartRadio today, and also AMFM247.com. Well, before we let you go, my friend, uh, how do people get more information on on what you're doing and and everything else? Sure, James, thanks. Uh, You can go to chosenpeople.com, very simple, chosenpeople.com, and if you have an interest in things Christian and things Jewish, 
and you have an interest in Israel and the Middle East, then you're going to love our website. So chosenpeople.com. And also, if you'd like to register for the conference, then you can go to 911, the numerals, 911thconference.com, uh, 911thconference.com, and we'll see you there. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate the time, and we will talk to you soon. Good luck with the conference, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you, James. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the big broadcast. We are live coast to coast, border to border on iHeartRadio today. Get a hold of us online at J-I-G-G-Y-J-E-G-U-A-R.com. And uh, we have got uh, Sandra Lee, I believe, is going to join us here in just a few moments. And we will see what happens with her. We're supposed to have John O'Connor on today as well, but I uh, have not... I tried to reach out to John earlier, and he was nowhere to be found. Maybe that's John O'Connor. It's actually Sandra Lee. Sandra, how are you, my friend? I'm good, James. How are you, honey? <laughs> Pretty good, actually. Pretty good, actually. So, uh, well, I, I seen earlier today some news that I just had to talk to you about today. According to Roger Stone, uh, Donald Trump is going to be running for president in 2024. What, what, do you, what, what do you think about this? Well, I'll call up my sister because Shirley thinks that Donald Trump is already president and that he's going to announce it very soon. You know, people are just crazy. Who knows? Who knows? You know what I mean? I have to talk to my sister, God bless her, every day. And she has a conspiracy theory a minute. All I know for sure is that I love Donald Trump and that I believe in him, and I think he's fighting to get it all together. But I can tell you one thing, James, that this 9-11 thing that we're all watching and this thing in Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan that we're all dealing with is a nightmare. And I see, I lived in New York for a long, long time, and that whole rebuilding of the whole area where those buildings completely collapsed, it's magical, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. We healed from what happened there. But this is happening all over again. And what I wrote today, I want to share with you, if you have a minute or two. Yes, go ahead, my friend. You know, this is my third book. 
The first one was Dear Donald, Letters from a Loving Deplorable. The second one, Dear Donald, Four More Years. And I really think he's already getting four more years, and he's going to get four more on top of that. The third book is Dear Donald, um, Dear Donald, A Rainbow in a Winter Sky. It took me a while to invent that one, but I feel like I'm in cold winter right now as I watch what's going on in the country. So here's what I had to say. Your listeners will appreciate it. This particular letter to Dear Donald, all my books are letters to him, is called 9-11 All Over Again. Dear Donald, I was on Long Island teaching my sixth graders the morning of 9-11. We were in the school library and having fun piling up books on every table so that we could look through them and each select one to sign out and take back to the classroom and then home. Several televisions were on in the school library and some of the teachers had gotten word of an attack in New York City. I lived 20 minutes from New York City at that time. And we were watching these buildings crumble right before our eyes. We gradually gathered around the television and watched, stunned and overwhelmed by the news that had been turned on by several frightened teachers. Fear morphed into dread quickly, as many of us in the library had friends family members, and neighbors who were in the city towers, which had been hit by these airplanes. The students, sixth graders, young, sweet, were in tears. So many of them had loved ones who commuted every day to the city, and these children were confused. The teachers were confused, too. None of us had ever seen anything like this. I lived in a neighborhood that allowed me to stand on my front porch each morning and enjoy the beautiful sight of the city skyline, which included the Twin Towers. They were standing tall and majestically in the morning of 9-11, but by the time I was finally able to return home, the towers were gone. There was no trace of them in the skyline. That view that I so treasured had been obliterated. As I watch what is happening, in Afghanistan today, I feel like 9-11 is happening all over again. I feel shocked and helpless. I feel betrayed. I feel overwhelmed by the evil and confusion in the world. I feel like I don't know what to tell my children or my grandchildren or my readers or my listeners. I feel a sense of dread as I watch the current administration make our horrendous decisions, one after another, that weakens the nation and frightens the masses. Biden's poll numbers are plummeting as he continues to sabotage all that was working with Trump and replace all that was working with his poor judgment and chaos. Gitmo terrorists who were released are now running Afghanistan. The China virus is rampant again. Fauci and vaccine guru is described is confusing, conflicting, and contradictory. He is suspected of having dirty money in the game. The border crisis continues to crescendo. We are fighting illegal and corrupt voting around the world. Prices continue to go higher and higher while we worry at the gas pumps and grocery stores. Employment levels fall, even though there are millions of available jobs. As the government recklessly hands out free money, 
to those who might otherwise seek work. It is no wonder that Biden's approval level is down to 39%, which is now approaching the same dismal approval, disapproval that haunted Jimmy Carter. In Texas, near the border crisis, it is no surprise that Biden's approval rating is down to an unprecedented, unprecedented 33%. And while there is a war against churches around the world, Billy Graham's grandson crusades and feeds the global sick and poor, while Biden limps into church while continuing to protect a woman's right to kill children in the womb. And you know what? There's so much available to us. So much available to us relating birth control and the prevention of unwanted births. Why do we have to resort to abortion in this modern day and age? So I added that just on my own. That has nothing to do with the pages <laughs> that I wrote. But you know, you can see how upset I am. Yes, today. yes. I'm very upset today. But I want to leave you with a positive note. And okay, what is you. that, Sam? I what love your that? show. <laughs> and thanks for letting me share my pages from Dear Donald Books. Well, I'll tell you, Sandra, I am uh, looking forward to, uh, to having you back on uh, your regular Tuesday time slot. Um, I, know, I will be there with bells. I know and that the, the the next couple weeks uh, I'm going to be at our state fair, so we won't be doing anything until the uh, the twenty first. But uh, okay, I, I I'll mark my calendar. I would mark the calendar, and uh, I will talk to you on the twenty first, my friend. Sounds good, James. You Thank have you, a my good friend. One. You you Bad you luck. are amazing. Talk to you soon, Sandra. Thank you. There she goes. That's Sandra Lee. She is something else. <laughs> I love Sandra Lee. We are going to go to our next guest here in just a few seconds. You know, I might have time here. I got 10 minutes. I got 10 minutes to talk about Mike Wild out there in uh, Peoria, Illinois, of all places. I applied for a gig in Peoria, Illinois at uh, some radio station uh, news director job. And uh, the guy did an interview with me. I had a really fun interview with the guy, but then he got hung up on the Midwest Communications uh, notes. Because they always send this stuff out where you have, you have to do these notes. But if you've heard our, our other segment on, on Midwest Communications, it's, it's so hilarious. Because I, I basically applied for the news director position at WMBD out there in uh, uh, Peoria, Illinois, of all places. And Mike Wild gets back with me, and he's like, you know, we want to, we want to get you out here. We want to, you know, do all this stuff. So he does an interview with me, and during the interview, he has to tell me about this station and how great it is, and how he has uh, these different uh, guys on there. 
And he's really proud of these guys named Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins, which they, of course, are on the Talkers Magazine Heavy 100 every year. And I always, when I get to them, I always go, who? And they're your typical radio old guys. You know, they've they've been in the business for how freaking long? And uh, they've they've done nothing but work in Chicago or work in Illinois or whatever. So he, of course, did enough research on me to know that I've interviewed Eddie Money and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. So he had talked to me about that. And then he wanted me to make sure that I got the forms filled out because Midwest Communications has you fill out these, these personality profiles and these forms, and these things that they never use in determining about the job. And so at one point he sends me this message and he goes, well, would you mind sending me the application with the dates corrected on page one and the signature page? They both say 1-4-2016. Well, yeah, that's when I've applied for, started applying for jobs with Midwest Communications. Uh, they have to be current in order for them to be considered. So I went ahead and sent them to him today. Well, I also asked him how much it paid. And of course, none of these, none of these radio guys, none of these pieces of shit in radio ever want to tell anybody what they're going to pay him. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what that's about. I think it's because they want to get something for nothing. So he gets back with me. Well, it depends on the position, but we're flexible. You're flexible. Well, then you're going to give me 80 grand a year, you fucking prick. So I send him the notes. Well, then he goes back and he tells me, well, after going through our other interviews uh, subsequent to our call, we have offered both open positions to other candidates. So he basically interviewed me. And then he supposedly hired somebody else, which I can guarantee you he didn't. I appreciate your interest and your information is still on file. Well, first of all, Federal Communications Commission requires you that you can't keep my information on file because you can only do it for six months. Please feel free to reach out about other openings, and I wish you the best of luck. I thank you for your time and your interest. So I wrote this piece of shit back, and I said, Mike, well, honestly, after I talked to you, I felt we had a personality clash. And honestly, when you would have not given me a pay scale, I got real nervous. Then when you were so focused on the dates on the forms, I knew I did not want this job. So honestly, go to hell. (laughs) I didn't want to work in Illinois. Come on. When we went there for Exotica, I'm like, what is this place? This is garbage. It's a garbage town, garbage state. Man cow country, baby. So, that is that. We will see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.